So did we change? We did change my Jesus to F. Everyone would just stand as we get ready to worship him. Amen. Step out of the shadows, step out of the grave. Where the spirit of the Lord is there 
Thank you. 
Jesus and let my Jesus 
family of faith this morning. I don't know. He was, he was yelling at somebody. I it was just me. Okay. Did you yell at me during worship? I thought you were back here hollering. Good job, Johnny. He might have been, but it's not like he was saying something specific. Are they starting to come to our church now? What? Are they starting to come here? Cool. Is that okay? Man, we're all like, the kids left, and I feel like half our congregation is gone. Like, it was full, now there's tons of empty seats. Can you hear me, Lila? Check, there we go. Good morning. There it is. We're going to go ahead and take up tithe and offering this morning. So as I was thinking about it this morning... Um, I know I've said it before, but I think about it just about every time, every time, every time. Is that better, Mike? Every time we, we do tithe and offering, I think about um, just basically everything I have is because the Lord has given it to me. You know, I know myself. I know who I used to be. I know kind of where I was headed, you know, pretty much what I would have ended up with. And it wasn't this life. You know what I mean? It wasn't, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of talking about the blessing and things like that in my life. It wasn't this life. It wasn't the family I have. It wasn't the thing, you know, the things 
that we have. And it's all because he chose to give it to me. And I'm blessed by it. And it makes me, that kind of thing makes me into a cheerful giver, right? Those are the kinds of, and you know, it's only a mindset change away. It's only a renewing of the mind away to become a person who is like, man, I got to, there's another, like I'm doing the bills, right? Nope, there's tithe. That's a bill. From that to, man, I want to get a raise at my job so I can give you more, Lord. But that's the difference. You become a cheerful giver, and that's the kind of stuff you look forward to. That is the way you bless the kingdom. Just think, just money, right, which we, we kind of have to have in this day and age. We have to have it. But that's one thing we can do to further the kingdom. It's kind of an easy thing, right? It's not physical. You don't have to go out and go door to door. You don't have to go build anything. You don't have to, you know, to, to take part in what the Lord's doing with tithe and offering and stuff like that. All you got to do is have it and be like, here you go. And then you get to be a part of furthering the kingdom. And that blesses me a lot. I think about that quite a bit. So I'm like, thanks for making this easy, Lord. You know what I mean? Right? He's calling us to other things, but that's an easy thing for, for us. So become a cheerful giver. Right? Remember all the things that he's given you. I didn't earn any of that stuff. I know because if you look at like my education level and the position at my job, I'm like, that just doesn't line up. I shouldn't be there, you know? <laughs> It's because he's given it to me. He's made a way where there really was no way before. Amen? So today uh, I'll pray, and you can bring it up if you have it. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you have given us things we don't deserve, given us things that we didn't earn. God, I know that you are more than able to take an offering, to take our tithe, to take, to take what little bit you ask for that we give cheerfully and progress your kingdom, further your kingdom, it goes and moves mountains, God. It makes a way for others that have no way. It's all because of your goodness. Lord, let us remember when we're bringing, you know, the tithe and the offering and blessings and gifts and that it's because of your goodness, which is never ending. Thank you so much, Lord. You're good in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Amen. All right. You guys can bring it on up if you've got it. What a great, I love that, because it's not that we have to do it, it's that we get to do it, right? That's what's cool. I love that. Thanks, Judah. All right, well, I get to do announcements. Yay, me! Right? They're the most, it's the most fun. So, um, I don't know if you guys, well, obviously, uh, Kylan's not here, because I'm doing announcements. So, he went on a fishing trip this weekend, and he needed... Well, I guess he said he needed a little bit of time, so that's what he's doing. He's out kayaking and fishing, and he did catch at least one fish because he sent me a picture. So that's, I, I mean, I, I, I haven't been able, where he is, he does not have, um, it, like, service. So he has to, like, go to a top of a hill to send me a picture. So I really haven't talked to him, so I'm sure he's having fun. And... My children are gone. Everybody left me this weekend, you guys. Everybody. So it was, yeah, I was going to say, actually, it wasn't bad. It was kind of nice. So I got to do whatever I wanted, which was really clean the pantry. So anyway, um, <laughs> all right. So uh, first of all, good morning. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Um, it, yeah, everybody notice the giraffe and the tiger we got? 
It's not just new decorations for the church. It's um, Vacation Bible School starts tonight. Woohoo! So um, there will be more, right? There's way, there's way more. This was just like a preview. So tonight, Monday night, and Tuesday night. So starting at 6, so come on out. It'll be a good time. Well, that's what they say. So hopefully... Yeah. So also, um, another announcement is um, Pump, believe it. So we have a youth camp, and that is July 13th through 15th. And if you have any questions, I know someone who can answer them because he's right here. So, um, And also, the last thing before I turn it over, we are going to have a church picnic on July 30th. Um, I'm really excited about that. I love it when we get to do that after, after service and just get together and eat, of course, and, you know, maybe play games. We like that. So anyway, so um, I am going to turn this over to Pastor Tim Lamaster. So let me tell you a little bit. We have known him, I mean, pretty much forever, like 2003. It's been a while. It's been a minute. So he actually babysat Hope. That's how she remembers him first. So, yeah. And he was okay. She's alive. So that's good news. So he, uh, Tim is the, or Pastor Tim, sorry. He is the uh, youth pastor at the main campus in Bakken. So he agreed to come over and for Kylan, so I'm grading you. It's fine. Okay, <laughs> all right, and here he is. So everybody, give him a warm welcome. Oh. Is it working? Yes. Perfect. Yeah, you know, um, I have known them a long time. As I've shared with you before, some stories. I have so many that I would love to share, but um, you can ask Pastor Kylan about this at some point. Uh, I'm actually fearful of sharing all the stories because he was very violent to me. Uh, in the youth ministry, um, threw me into a thorn bush one time. He hit me. His favorite story to tell, by the way, is the one where he hit me in the back of the head with a with a sandal from about a football field away. So if you ever just want to get him in a real good mood, ask him to tell you that story. Anyways, I just found out. So Hope just told me, like last week, that her first memory of me was seeing me and looking at you and saying, why is, why is his hair like that? And your response was, that's just him. Honey. Just him. And um, I recently, uh, John Peak, you guys don't know John Peak, but he was in our church. He sent me a bunch of pictures from back in the day, and I, I looked at them and went, wow, why did I do my hair like that? It was, it was rough. It was rough. Anyways, I'm super excited to be here with you guys today. Um, uh, obviously, the Boozer family has a, has a significant place in my life, and it's an honor to be here for Pastor Kylan. And I love how he, like, abandoned ship right as VBS started, so that was well played on his part. I'm taking note. Oh, he'll be back tonight? Yes. Oh, just one. Oh, okay. We'll see. Right, we'll see. Anyways, uh... Yeah, so I just want to share with you, I'm kind of going to give you a message that I've been giving our youth group. Uh, we've kind of been in a theme this year talking about the kingdom of God. 
And so we took some time looking at Jesus as the king, and we started going into the actual kingdom. What does Jesus teach us about the kingdom of God? And, and there's a couple of reasons why I think this is really important. First one is this, is it's the only kingdom that will last forever. And so it's probably a good idea to know what that kingdom is going to be like. Because if you travel around the world, any of you travel outside of the United States? Yeah, I have a couple of times and I get like ridiculously sick every time I do. So I've just decided the Lord has told me to stay in America. So I'm not planning on going anywhere else. But, uh, but um, you know, if you travel to other cultures and you enter into different kingdoms, like there's it's, sometimes they have this thing called culture shock where you just go in and you're like, this is weird, right? Um, and so I think it's a good idea if we claim to believe in Jesus to not get culture shocked when, when we enter into that eternal kingdom in its fullness. And so anyways, we've been talking about it. And what I did was I took them all the way back to the very beginning. What does Jesus start off with? Like, what is the first thing that Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God? And here's why I think it's important is I'm a big movie guy. Um, any of you movie buffs in here? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. I like really like Marvel movies. It's kind of not healthy, my addiction to Marvel movies, to be honest with you. Um, in fact, one time I was so excited for a movie that was coming out that the Holy Spirit brought conviction. It was like, why aren't you that excited about church on Sundays? And I was like, because people are there. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Anyways, I get really excited. And every once in a while, uh, I don't make it to like the opening weekend, which has correlated to how many kids I have is how many opening weekends I miss. Uh, but, and then my friends will go and then my friends will call me and be like, dude, the movie was fill in the blank. And what happens is that sets my expectation for the movie, right? And so I go into the movie either thinking it's going to be the most amazing thing ever, or it's going to be not that great, but you know, bearable, or it'll just be, eh, it was mediocre. It was fun, whatever. The expectation was set by their telling me about what they experienced. Well, here's the thing. Jesus is the only one who's actually experienced the kingdom of God in its fullness. And so when Jesus tells us what the kingdom is about and what the kingdom is like, we can take that to the bank because he's the only one that actually knows because he lived in it and decided to humble himself and take on human flesh and come experience this life with us so that he could tell us all about how God's trying to get us back there, back to this right relationship. And so when you look in the Gospels, we're going to look at all four Gospels the very first time that Jesus references the kingdom of God. So this is the expectation that's being set. And it's going to be very, I'm telling you, nothing here today is going to be like earth-shattering revelation. What hopefully it will be for all of us is a reset of just, let's remember the simplicity of the faith that we've come into. And let's not move too far from the goodness of what we have in Christ, right? So uh, we'll start in Matthew. In Matthew 4, 17, this is the first time that Jesus refers to the kingdom. And here's what we read. Uh, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's the first thing Jesus says about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, all that's this. It's the same thing. In the gospel, they just use different words sometimes to explain. Now let's go to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. In Mark 1, 14 and 15, we read this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. We go to Luke chapter 4. 
verses 42 through 44, and we read this. It says, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place, and the people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And then we get to John's gospel. John chapter 3, verse 3. We read this. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. All right. So these are the first four things that we find Jesus says respectively in each gospel. And I just want to break this down a little bit and just kind of call us back to remembering, like, this is what we believed when we came to faith. The first point is this, that God's kingdom is invading earth right now. Like, right now, it is happening all around us. Like, I love that Jesus consistently is saying, like, hey, the kingdom is near. Um, one, uh, one theologian, pastor, whatever you want to call him, he explained it like this. He's like, it's like you can reach out and touch it. Like, it's like the kingdom is so ready to break out into this earth that if you want to, you can just reach out and grab a hold of it. The kingdom is invading the earth right now. The kingdom isn't something that we're waiting to die to experience. Like I, I was raised in a, in a denomination where it was kind of like the whole goal of being saved was that you'd go to heaven when you die. And like whatever else happened on earth, like at least you're going to go to heaven, you know. And that's kind of a lame way to live out your faith, if I can be real honest with you, because Jesus came preaching good news, and, and the good news had an impact in their life right then. You know, it wasn't about just like, hey, when you die, you're good. No, the kingdom's here right now. And the kingdom of God is available right now to all who will repent and believe. It's all around us. The second thing is this, is that all of us can get in on what God is doing as his kingdom is breaking forth into the earth. Now, see, I think this is really good because there's, I liked how Judah said that there's a perspective change that can happen. And we can look at the world and we can go, the world is literally falling apart at the seams, right? Like it's dying, terrible things are happening everywhere. Or we can believe the gospel that Jesus is actually bringing the kingdom and it's like breaking forth everywhere. And even in the darkest places, God's kingdom's breaking forth in those places, right? Like the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it. So there's a, there's a renewing of our mind that can happen that says wherever darkness is, that's where Jesus is headed. And wherever Jesus is going, this might be news to you, but wherever Jesus goes... He walks in victory. Like the darkness doesn't get to beat Jesus. He beats it. So like that's the, that's the idea that I'm going to believe. Like that, that, yeah, it can look like the world's falling apart, but I think Jesus is redeeming it. And wherever I see it falling apart, it just means that Jesus is sending somebody to go there to carry the good news of the gospel so that the kingdom can break out in that area because the kingdom is here. It's all around us already. That's, that's why Jesus taught us when we pray. He said, pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Why? Because it's actually possible for that to happen. Otherwise, Jesus is really cruel to teach us to pray that way, right? Because think about it. In God's eternal kingdom, we find this in Revelation, God's eternal kingdom, there's no more sickness, there's no more sorrow, there's no more suffering, there's no more death. The old order of things has passed away. And, and I know that we live in the tension of the, the, the here and not yet. 
right? Like, it's not here in its fullness yet. That's why there's still evil. But Jesus has defeated evil, right? And there's going to come a day where Jesus comes and he officially says, yeah, I'm done with all that nonsense. You're gone, and this kingdom's going to go forever, and there's no more sin. There's no more consequences for sin. Jesus is going to renew it all. But he teaches us that we're to start enacting that kind of kingdom, that eternal kingdom. We're supposed to be bringing that into the earth right now. That's where faith comes in. That's where we say, hey, when you're sick, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to anoint you with oil, right? We're going to pray and believe that, that the kingdom that's coming where there's no more sickness is invading the earth right now, and we get glimpses of it, right? And so, we, and so we step out in faith. When we see poverty, we step out with compassion. Why? Because in God's eternal kingdom, there's no lack. And so if we're bringing it now, when we see it around us, we're, we're moved with compassion and generosity to meet the need. Now, why? The kingdom's here. It's right here to grab it. We get to jump in on what God is doing, but Jesus says that it takes repentance to get in on what God is doing in the world. That word repentance uh, sometimes gets a little muddled, so I just want to make it real simple for us. Repentance in its simplest way of understanding it just means to change your mind, to change your attitudes, to change your actions. That's what it means. Um, Sometimes people think repentance means confessing your sins. That, that's often accompanied with repentance because you like acknowledge, hey, I've been not doing this right. I probably should admit that I was wrong. And, but repentance means I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to change. Yeah, give you a great example. Um, if you know that the fruit of the Spirit is joy and you just are angry all the time, repentance would be, I should probably give this joy thing a try. Huh? I should probably lean into that a little more. Repentance, right? Jesus says that the kingdom of God is here, and the way you get into it is, is through this repenting. You have to change your thinking, your mindsets, and your actions. They all have to become something new to be able to get into his kingdom, which is what he wants for you. Oh, by the way, that kingdom is a kingdom of good news. Can we just pause right there for a second? It is good news, always. I really think that the church would benefit, and when I say the church, I say as a whole. I just went on a mission trip, and, and I, Lila, I'm sure at some point, is going to be made to get up here and share a great testimony of what God did, and she's going to love that. Uh, but um, not today, because I think Pastor Colin would love to see that. Anyways, uh, we're on this mission trip, and we got in trouble. Our group got in trouble. You can blame Lila for it if you want to. And here's, here's kind of why we got in trouble. Um, we had a lot of fun. And some of the other churches that were there did not appreciate how much fun we were having. I'm not even lying to you. This is exactly what happened. And so I got a talking to by our site director because some of the other groups were upset that we were doing things that were fun. And I was just like, we're not going to stop doing that. Like, I don't know what the problem is. If they want to come talk to me, they can come talk to me, and I'll let them know, hey, you know, Jesus, it really should be fun living for Jesus. I don't know what you guys are into, but can we just remember it's good news? Here, here's what I know. Sometimes I see people, and I've been this way in my own life, so if, if you're kind of in this boat right now, like, I just want to say, like, there's so much grace for you, but, like, there's a revelation that you get sometimes that the good news of the gospel is always good news. Even in the moments when the Holy Spirit is really working on me and bringing conviction to my life and showing me like, hey, this thing that you're kind of doing right now is not good. And sometimes you're like, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's good news. Why? Because where is Jesus leading me? Abundant life. 
That's where he's leading me. And so even in the moments where I'm confronted with my own failures, even in the moments when I'm confronted with my own sins, maybe my own shortcomings, and I feel like, oh, there's grace upon grace to say, God, forgive me and lead me. And he's doing it. And so it's good news. Even the conviction, right? That's why Paul says, hey, God disciplines his children because he loves them. Right? It's good. It's good news. And I just think it's really important for us to remember that, that if we're going to be able to walk in repentance, and by the way, we're going to get into this in just a moment, but repentance sometimes isn't easy. It's not always easy to change my thoughts or to change my attitudes or to change my actions because sometimes I'm super selfish, you know? But Jesus is like, hey, here's where the kingdom is. Whenever you want to, you can enter into it. And you can bring a little bit more of that heaven on earth, wherever you're at, every time you're willing to walk in that change of heart, that change of attitude, that change of action. You can get more of it. And so repentance is the way forward in God's kingdom. Third thing I want to point out that Jesus said, and this is particularly from John's gospel, is that God's kingdom isn't like anything we've ever experienced before. That's why in John's gospel, Jesus says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus, my man, Nicodemus, he is like, I like Nicodemus in the Bible because he, you know how sometimes people say super spiritual things and everybody's just like, yeah, but in your brain you're like, what are you talking about right now? You know what I'm saying? Like that happens to me all the time. I'll hear somebody and they'll say something. I'm like, that sounds so good. What are you talking about, though, man? I have no idea, you know? And I try to be very careful with that with the teenagers. Like, like on the mission trip, there was one of our students. I was, I was ministering to her a little bit, and I was talking to her about God's grace. And I just got the feeling that she has no idea what that means, you know? And so I'm like, do you know what grace means? And she was like, nope, no, I don't. And I'm like, okay. So then I got to explain it to her. It's okay to just be like, I don't know what that means sometimes. Anyways, uh, I like Nicodemus because Jesus is like, no one can see the kingdom unless they're born again. And my man Nicodemus is like, time out. Are you telling me that to be in God's kingdom, I have to enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus is like, no, but. And I'm like, Nicodemus is a real person, you know, like he is super confused at this spiritual reality that Jesus is talking about. And thankfully, he asked the question. Otherwise, a bunch of people, I promise you, there'd be a denomination trying to like, bro, you got, there's only one way, man. You know, you got to be weird. Anyways, I hope that wasn't too much for you. I just, thank God for Nick. How many of you are happy for Nicodemus in the Bible? Amen. God's kingdom isn't like anything we've ever experienced before. And I love that Jesus' word with Nicodemus, he says, no one can see it. You can't see it unless you've been born again. That there's something so radical and, and subtle about God's kingdom invading the earth that unless you've been made new by Jesus, it's hard to even see that it's happening. Right? It's hard to look at the darkness that sometimes seems so prevalent and be able to see with those eyes that say, but yeah, that's what God's doing. You know? And so Jesus says, you've got to be born again. Why? When we really, when, when you just think and meditate on what Jesus is talking about, what does it mean to be born the first time? Like, you're brand new. You don't know nothing. You can't talk. You can't walk. You can't go to the bathroom on your own. Right? You need, you are in a completely 
dependent state on other people for your survival. And so when Jesus shows up and he's like, hey, here's the kingdom. The kingdom's good news. You can get into it when you repent. But I just need you to know that the only way you're really going to get in is if you're willing to completely start over. Like everything from your old life has to go. You've got to be born again. And when you're born again, you're going to have new eyes and you're going to be able to see how God's moving, how the kingdom's breaking out all around and how, I really believe this too, this is key, how it's actually good news for everyone. Good news for everyone. And if you read different Gospels, you're going to get a different emphasis. Like Luke, Luke's Gospel, his emphasis is totally towards the poor. Like he is a major emphasizer of Jesus was a rescuer. And his main method of rescuing people was to go to the poor and the outcasts and the rejects. And that's who he's calling, right? And so you could read that and go, oh, the good news is just for the poor. That's not entirely true because if you read the rest of the Gospels, you're like, he's also trying to save the Pharisees, the religious people who think they're doing everything right for God and they're so far from God's heart that they can't even see it. And Jesus is going after them too. And then you get the stories. One of my favorites is when Jesus, he stands up in the temple and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he's like, hey, this, is, this has been fulfilled in your hearing today. And it says that all of them were so happy. They were like so excited and blessed because the words coming from his mouth were so beautiful and powerful and they loved Jesus and then Jesus goes oh by the way do you know those stories from the Old Testament where God didn't do something for the Israelites but he did it for for non-Israelites and the crowd who just loved everything Jesus said became so angry that they tried to march him off the side of a cliff you're like Jesus is not going to be what we expect him to be like he's going to challenge us but it's good news. It's good news. And when I, when I give myself into it, when I open myself up to say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my thought. What, Jesus, whatever you say, I'm willing to conform to it. Then I'll have eyes to see the goodness of what Jesus is doing. Right? I'll, I'll have eyes to receive what he's doing in me. And so, uh, again, we're thankful for Nicodemus to ask those questions so that Jesus can clarify and let us know what, no, the second birth is going to be the spirit. And then Jesus says, and it's just, again, it's subtle. The way the kingdom moves, it's so subtle that we have, to have, we have to have new eyes to be able to see it. But Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. And that's the way of the Spirit. Like, the Spirit's just moving. Like, in my own life, you know, and you can, you can probably relate to this. In my own life, I could never have predicted to you how the Holy Spirit was going to move in my life. I, it's not like I could be like... Hey, you know what the Holy Spirit's going to do in me today? He's going to lead me to crucify that selfish desire to sleep in and let my wife take care of all the breakfast stuff. Right? And, and the kids and getting them changed. So like, that's not, and then the Holy Spirit does it and you're kind of like, no, not today, Holy Spirit. You know, like you wrestle with it. Anyways, the Holy Spirit's going to move, and it, but it takes this, this completely new birth experience. It takes us being humble enough to say, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know how to do this. And so I'm going to be completely dependent upon you, Jesus. And I'm going to be completely dependent on the Spirit to lead me and guide me so that I can become what you're trying to create me to be. Right? The fourth point I have in these teachings is just simply this, that God's kingdom is meant to spread. And it's good to remember that. And I also just want to share this with you, that the way God's kingdom spreads in the world is not always from somebody standing on a like box in the middle of a street screaming to people they're going to hell if they don't give their life to Jesus. Sometimes, and I think more often than not, the kingdom spreads in very subtle, subversive ways. 
like someone who goes to work every day faithfully and they don't cheat on their time clock, right? And they don't cheat on their taxes and, and they just honor God with the way they conduct their affairs and when everyone else around them is taking that extra five minute smoke break or whatever or they're not paying their taxes faithfully and then they see you doing it and they ask you why and you're able to say because of Jesus and then you get to have a conversation with them and they go why would you and because of Jesus right um, or students it's very subversive, it's very subtle, and you're not gonna like this, but like when you go to school or, or you're on a sports team and you don't cheat at your practices, you know, are any of you basketball players? Yeah, when you're doing the sprints and you gotta touch the line, you know what I'm saying? When you don't do that, you're committed every time you touch the line and the coach notices you're the only one doing it, and they're like, why are you so committed? Because Jesus teaches me to do everything as under the Lord, you know? And it's just this subtle, subversive thing. And it's, it's often in ways we can't even imagine, but the Holy Spirit moves. I remember hearing a preacher one time talk about his moment of conversion, and it came from hearing, I think it was from Ecclesiastes, and it was a random verse talking about a tree falling in the woods, and that's the verse that he was like, oh man, Jesus is real. What are you talking about, dude? Like, what? Tree fell in the woods and nobody heard it, and that's how you got saved? And for him, the Holy Spirit moved on him and was like, dude, that's what your life is like. Like, you can grow into this massive, amazing, you can build this amazing life for yourself, but one day you're going to fall, and you're just another person in the midst of the woods, and your life's not going to mean anything unless it's connected to me. And he got saved from that, you know? Like, you don't know what God's going to do, but his kingdom is so subversive in how he's moving. And so when we just live as faithful people, trying to honor the teachings of Christ and allow him to make us into something new, kingdom's spreading. It's spreading. And that's what it's meant to do. See, I love that Jesus, uh, it, it, that in, in uh, is it Luke's gospel? I think it's Luke's gospel. It says that the crowds were begging Jesus. Like, they loved him so much. They're like, just stay with us. And Jesus' response was like, literally, I mean, no. I can't just, I have to go to other people too. Everyone needs this good news, you know? Which is why we should never like, we shouldn't get jealous when we see something amazing happening for our brothers and sisters in a different place. Like, thank God Jesus is moving because he's still moving here too. You know, it's just the Spirit's doing what he's doing and, and we, can't, we just want to be ready for it. We want to be open to what the Spirit's doing. And so God's kingdom is meant to spread and it's meant to spread through you. How that's going to happen is different. Not all of you are gifted with speaking in front of people. You know, like my wife's here today. It's first. Oh, she's not in here anymore. <laughs> here goes my illustration. My wife, though, for example, like she's not a public speaker. In fact, they tried to like ask her to do something in our church, and she's like, "I'll literally call in sick for the rest of my life to get out of doing that." You know, like that's her. She just doesn't do it. And so, for her to do something like this, she would never do. But you know what, my wife's amazing at is she will absolutely serve someone behind the scenes and never be noticed for it, and be completely okay with it. And I love that about her. That's the only reason my family works. You know, like. She just does all that, and she doesn't need somebody to brag on her and stuff. But that's her, and that's her gifting. And so you know what? She's been able to impact people's lives that I haven't because I'm kind of loud. But she's just subtle, and she just goes in, and she loves on people in a very gentle way. And it's beautiful. And you're meant to spread the kingdom in the way that God has uniquely gifted you and created you and, and, and made you. And so don't look at other people. If I was more like them, God could really use me. No. Nope. 
God, may, God doesn't want a bunch of us. You know what I'm saying? He wants you, and he gave you, and you have an influence that nobody else has. And go live in that influence. And God will be pleased with that. The kingdom's meant to spread, and it's meant to spread through you. And it's a beautiful thing. And I want to show you one other thing. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. Is this okay? Everybody good? Kingdom's good news. Takes repentance. It's unlike anything we've ever seen before. So I like that part because we get to be surprised by Jesus all the time. In Luke 13, Jesus gives us these, these short little teachings about his kingdom. And they're kind of fun. So in Luke 13, we're going to verse 18. It says, Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What's it like? What shall I compare it to? He says, It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. And everybody's like, Where's Nicodemus at right now? Like, what are you talking about? Verse 20, again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom, and these are two little parables that he gives us. This is what the kingdom is like. And I'm just like, awesome. What are we talking about? You know? But if you stop and you think about it, right? Like that little mustard seed, have you guys seen a mustard seed? It's super small, right? It's like just a little bitty thing. And you plant it in the ground, and here's the thing about a mustard seed is you plant it in the ground, and you could stand there and just stare at the ground where you planted it. And you're never going to notice anything. But if you plant that seed and you walk away, right, and you planted it in good ground and all that stuff, and you walk away, like you're going to come back like six months later, and guess what you're going to find? Something's growing there. And then if you walk away again and you come back in, let's say, six years, you're going to find a whole tree. Like, there's a whole bush that grew there. And then the, the example of the yeast, right? You, I'm, I'm not a baker, but my understanding of yeast is that you put a little bit in and it just spreads, right? Is that kind of how that works? Just, you work it, you got to work it through. But, but can you actually see it spreading? Yeah, see, that's what, I'm so glad they said that. Otherwise, this was going to fall apart on me. <laughs> the whole point, I think, of what Jesus is trying to teach us in this is that the kingdom is so subversive that if you try to really focus in on what's happening, you're going to miss it. Because it's not going to be, you're not, the easiest way I can say is, you're not going to pray, God, make me just like Jesus. And then tomorrow morning, wake up and be a perfect person. Why? Because the kingdom grows like a seed. And it's happening even when you don't notice it. That's the point. It happens that way internally. Which, by the way, if you're a parent here, can I just, I'm going to drop a little nugget of hope in your life right here. That way that the kingdom works is happening in your kids. Even when they make bad decisions. If the kingdom's been sown into their life, that is growing. Why? Because it's not dependent on you to grow. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit to grow it. And the Holy Spirit's really good at his job. And so when we sow those seeds, the Holy Spirit's doing his work. And one day you might be ready to rip your hair out and be like, this kid. Give them like 12 years. 
And you're going to be able to look back and be like, oh, I did something, you know? Because we all are definitely going to be able to say it wasn't us because we were ready to kill him a couple of different times. But God, but God did something. And why? Because the kingdom grows like a seed. And, if, and sometimes, I'm try, I just want to encourage you, sometimes, parents, we get so frustrated. I'm speaking to myself, too. We get so frustrated. But we forget how patient the Lord is with us. Like, there's some stuff that the Lord, like, revealed to me about my own life and my own personality. Like, 15 years ago, I'm still trying to work it out because it's just in me. You know what I mean? And the Holy Spirit, he's doing his job, and he's working it out, but it's there. And so I just got to trust that the Holy Spirit's doing his thing and that I can't expect the kingdom to be this rapid response. It's not a microwave. You know, it's a crock pot or an oven or one of those hog roasts where you stick them in the ground and just let them go for a couple of days. Right? It's one of those deals. It takes time. But if you just so faithfully into your kids and just, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's going to do something with what you do in their life. Just give it some time and pray a lot and you'll be fine. So the kingdom's growing internally in us that way. And I like to say it this way to my students because as teenagers, you know, your brains aren't fully developed until you're 25. I don't know if you knew that. And so if you ever see your kid, Specifically, your boys do something. You're like, why did you do that? And they go, I don't know. They're not lying to you. That's like neuroscience tells us. They really don't know why they did it. They're just going off instinct. Um, but your brain fully develops at 25. You're going to go through these moments. There's internal changes happening inside of you. And you just let trust. All you got to do is just trust. Students, just trust that God's going to get you there. Students sometimes get stuck in places. I'm going into youth pastor mode for a second because I want to help you. But students sometimes get stuck in places where they consistently make the same mistake over and over and over and over and over. And what happens is, is in their own heart, they start to believe that that's who they are. You got to stop that in their life and be like, no, no, you're just growing. You're growing. You have to do what you can to not let them buy an identity that's not really theirs. Like, for example, I'm going to just help. I, I deal with a lot of students that have an addiction to something that's on computers you guys with me? Yeah. It's very hard for them to come out of that addiction when they're in their teenage years. The reason for that is their brain don't work all the way yet, right? And so they're going to struggle, and they're going to struggle, and they're going to feel terrible about themselves. But what you can do is come alongside them and say, every time you say yes to Jesus, the kingdom's growing that much more in your life. Every yes, doesn't matter how many bad decisions you made, every time you say yes to what Jesus wants you to do, the kingdom is growing, and you're going to be okay. And so we want to focus heavy on their yeses. And that applies to whatever the situation is that your kid is constantly struggling with, whether it's a sinful thing or whatever. If you just consistently say, hey, if you just choose not to give in to anger just one time today, and you choose to love instead of give in to anger, the kingdom's being planted more, and it's going to produce fruit in your life. Every yes is producing a harvest, right, of, of that Christ-like character inside of you. So we want to major on that with your kids. And if you've got children, I'm telling you, just buy into that. It's what Jesus said the kingdom works like, and you can trust it. And so just don't let your kids get caught in an identity that's not who they are. They're going to get through it. Kids are just trying to survive their teenage years. I promise you. It's all it's about. I just want to live, you know. 
So anyways, the kingdom is growing internally in us just like that. Every time, every time we as adults say yes to Jesus, even if it's something you've struggled with, a character, fall, a character flaw, a personality flaw, whatever, every moment you say yes to Jesus and you respond in the positive, the way the Holy Spirit's leading you, the kingdom's being planted yet again, and it's going to continue to grow and build a harvest in your life. So that's great for us as individuals, but this is also the way the kingdom spreads through us outwards. And so, like, I try to tell my students, like, every time you're the respectful one to your teacher, when everyone else is being disrespectful, guess what? You've just sowed seeds of the kingdom. Why? Because, because it's kindness. Love is joy. Every time you say yes to what Jesus asks you to do, you're sowing seeds of the kingdom. And if Jesus isn't lying to us, then every seed we sow it is going to produce something. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to determine how much is produced. It's our job to just sow the kingdom everywhere we go, right? So when you're at work, I'm a just adult, when you're at work and you got that boss that is just an absolute jerk, and you've been reading that morning, you're like, Jesus told me to love my enemies and to bless them. I gotta be born again today, again, a third thousand time, you know? Uh, but you go in and you just know they're gonna be a jerk, but yet you choose to bless them in some way. Guess what? You just sowed the kingdom in that moment. And the kingdom's going to produce a harvest at some point. One of the beautiful things about being a youth pastor is you very rarely get to see the harvest. You know, Pastor Kylan's lucky because he gets to see me. You know? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't pass that one up. But you never rarely, it's rare because most of the time they graduate out and they move on and they forget all about you, you know, and that's what happens. And you don't really ever get to see like what God actually did with all the investment that you made. You know, hopefully we get to see that with our kids. Like my, my oldest is eight. I haven't got there yet. But hopefully I'll get to see the investment pay off that my wife and I make into their lives, you know. But, but we don't always get to see how the harvest is, is brought about by the Holy Spirit where we sow seeds. And that's okay. It's not our job to see the harvest come in. It's our job to sow the seed so that there can be a harvest. And so I just really want to encourage you as a church to not despise the smallest ways that you honor God. Sometimes it feels like it was just a mustard seed of a difference. But God can do a lot with a mustard seed. And that's, and at the end of the day, like, if you sow a billion mustard seeds, like, look at what God's going to do, you know? And so on the missions trip, we're at the Boys and Girls Club uh, my group was at a boys and girls club, and let me just tell you, that was rough, like super rough. These kids were, we had one little girl, her name, uh, her name was Peyton, she's constantly getting in trouble, she's like six, and uh, she's constantly getting in trouble for getting in everyone's business, and just so you know what Peyton is like, Peyton comes up and Peyton's like, I only get in people's business when I want to, and we were like, Okay, and then she's like, and I always want to. So you're like, that's just who she is, you know? And, uh, and I'll be honest, like at the beginning of the week, like Peyton was really hard to deal with, like super hard to deal with. And so in our lunchtime, we kind of got our, our kids that were on the trip with us, we got them off to the side and we were able to just kind of talk with them. So I'm just trying to help them, like give them some tips. Hey, when you got a kid like this, try to do this. Remember that they're probably, like most of the time, children mimic what they've experienced. You know, so I'm like, if she's treating us this way, that's probably like the majority of her life experience has been, this is how people treat her. 
So just remember that. And then how can we sow the seeds of Jesus into her life? You know, and I'm just trying to coach them through that. Fast forward to the end of the week, and it was really kind of wild. Uh, the group that we were with, they had their kids, like, make something for us. They could either do something general, like, for the whole group, or they could do something specific for a student that really, like, made an impact in their life that week. So all these little bitty midgets come walking out, and they're handing our kids these, and they were all super specific. Like, they had these moments where they're just, and little Peyton comes out, and, I mean, she's just bawling. And she's like, are you guys coming back next year? You know? And then we're able to show our kids, look at the seed. We all wanted to throw Peyton out the window the first day. And I'm not kidding. Like, it was rough. But then you just, one week of just investment in her life, and we got that. And Peyton wasn't the only one. I was actually in shock at how many of these little children who were absolute just menaces to us and made our lives miserable that whole week. Yet at the end of the week, they're weeping because they don't want us to leave. What happened? We sowed the love of Christ in them. You know? Now, I don't know what that's ultimately going to produce down the road. But if I trust Jesus, I know it's going to produce something good. Right? That's all we're here to do. Is to just sow those seeds consistently in your workplaces, in your families, at your school, wherever you're at. Just sow those little seeds and let God be God in those places. So the kingdom of God is Good news takes repentance to get into it. It's something completely different than anything we've ever seen, which means we kind of have to be born again. we got to restart to be able to do it. It's meant to spread through us, and it can happen in the most subtle of ways. And if we'll remember that stuff, I think you'll find a lot of joy in living for Jesus because it's not that hard to sow a mustard seed-sized blessing into someone's life, whether it's a smile, a handshake, leaving a cookie for Santa, whatever it is. Let's just be the type of people that faithfully represent a kingdom that is a kingdom of good news. Amen? Amen. Let me pray over you guys. Or do I need to go longer? It's only 1110, right? Okay, good. All right, all right. Just checking. If you guys want more, I'll make it up. All right. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you, um, God, that you sent your son Jesus into this world to, to let us know about your kingdom. And that we can experience your kingdom right now. We can't get it in its fullness yet, but we can see it happening. We can reach out and grab hold of it. And that we can be participants in bringing your kingdom into this world. I pray that wherever in our lives, wherever in our spheres of influence that we have, that we see darkness, that we would just rise up with the light of Christ and we would sow seeds of your kingdom in those places, Father, so that the Holy Spirit can do his work and bring about a mighty harvest. God, I pray for everyone here who might be struggling within themselves, Father, struggling in their walk with you. God, I pray that they would just grab a hold of the idea that every yes to you is producing more and more of your kingdom in their life. And I pray that if all they have to all they have is the strength to say yes one time today, I pray that they do it, Father. And I pray that as they do that consistently, that your kingdom of righteousness and joy and peace would grow and develop more and more in their lives. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for this. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, Like Margo said, I am here. If you have a kid that's interested in going to our youth camp, I'd love to tell you or answer any questions that you have.